for pouring out your anointing. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our hearts. We give reverence to you, Lord God, in your presence. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Isn't the Lord good here today? Amen. Hallelujah. How about we clap our hands to him again? Hallelujah. The Lord is good here today. And I am thankful for each and every one of you who've joined with us and are sensitive to the Spirit of God, letting the Holy Ghost flow. I want to encourage you. Let's just continue to do that today. Amen. Hallelujah. Because I, I can preach and and you know that I can talk for a real long time. I can do that. But at the, at the end of the day, I'd rather just the Lord speak. I'd rather the Lord to minister. And I feel like he's already begun that here today. And I believe he's going to continue to do it. Can we stand to our feet today and head in our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1? <coughs> we have several members out today sick. Uh, Sister Smith specifically has bronchitis. Let's keep her in our prayers. Um, and I know there's lots of sicknesses that have been going around, things that are going around. And uh, we just want to call on the name of the Lord and, and keep praying for them that God would bring them through this and uh, that they'd be okay. Sister Smith, I know it's having a hard time, so let's be in prayer for her. I, I am going to do something I don't usually do. I'm going to read from a different version than, than the King James Version. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation um, for my scripture text, which I found just to be absolutely beautiful. And it communicates everything the King James Version communicates. It's just a little bit more clear. And uh, I just was so inspired, just loved it when I read it. I said, well, I need to, I need to present this today. So we're going to read Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19. I did want to say also, uh, we'd love for you to join us after service. We are going together to Mulligan's in downtown Stewart. So if you've been there, they're not too expensive. They're not too cheap either. They're kind of a middle ground. It's right there on the water. It's a beautiful location and uh, just a lot of variety of food, obviously uh, more so seafood, but definitely a variety of food. We'd love for you to join us. Come and fellowship, spend time together. Uh, I believe that that's so important. Amen. And I know I continue to say this and do this, but, but I believe fellowship is so important. If we are to be the body of Christ, of the household of God, we kind of have to be around each other, right? Hallelujah. Now, it doesn't mean we have to like each other. We just have to put up with each other. Amen. Praise God. And we have to love each other. So I'd love for you to join us. We'll be, we'll be doing the Cocoa Bar directly after service and then after a few minutes and everybody gets their cocoa and all that, then we'll move on and go to Mulligan's again. We'd love for you to join us and to uh, spend time in fellowship with us. All right, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. 
verse 20, and through him, Christ, the man, Jesus Christ, God reconciled, everybody say reconciled, everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you. Everybody say, this includes me. That includes me. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the presence of God. This includes you who were once far, far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Oh, how beautiful. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Wow. I consider that beautiful. Today, uh, this may not be anything you've never heard before or anything like that, but uh, I want to preach on this title, The Distance Between God and Me. The Distance Between God and Me. If we can, go to the Lord in prayer. Ask that His Spirit would flow, that His anointing would be poured out. Lord Jesus, we thank You, God, for what You've already done in this place. I thank You for what You're about to do, Lord. I give You my heart. I give You my mind. I pray today You would draw people into Your presence. Today, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, through Your Word, You'd reveal to us Your love, Your grace, and Your mercy. We thank You, Jesus, for what you're about to do. We invite you, Lord, to speak and minister into our hearts. Use me, Lord, as your servant. Help me to say what you want me to say, do what you want me to do, and nothing else. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody shout amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The scriptures tell us that We were once far, far away from God. There was a distance placed between humanity and God. Of course, this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God, the Bible says, walked with Adam in the cool of the garden. I want you to consider for a moment what that means On a daily basis, in fact, the Bible even said that uh, in the time that he would come, so it it appeared that they had a, a routine where God would come, and in the cool of the garden, Adam and God would spend time together. Hallelujah. They'd spend time in each other's presence. I love that it says the cool of the garden. It felt necessary even to designate the way that it felt. It wasn't just a beautiful garden, but it felt cool as 
because the wind was blowing and it, it felt refreshing to him as he got a chance to speak with God face to face. How wonderful of an opportunity that would be. One that I cherish and will cherish when I make it to heaven and get to see him. Hallelujah. Praise God. And God walked with Adam. This was an ev- a normal, everyday occurrence. It was not over, uh, you know, only on Sundays. It wasn't just uh, in the prayer room. It was whenever God wanted, he could come and be with Adam. God, Adam could spend time in his presence without hindrance, without any walls up, without any separation. Hallelujah. He was free to be with God at all times. Can I tell you, that is the position God desires us to be in. It's not the will of God that there be distance between him and I. There's not, it's not in the will of God that there be a separation between humanity and him. He designed the garden, Adam and Eve. He designed that system that he could commune with mankind I believe 100% the whole reason for all of this is because God desired to commune with his creation, to be with them, to be in the presence of his creation. That was the plan from the beginning. The book of Revelation tells us it was for his glory that we were created. It was for his purpose that we were created and not our own. We were created to worship the Lord, to be in the presence of God, to spend time with the Lord. Excuse me, praise the Lord. That was his desire. But we know that that is not what happened in the midst of that opportunity God told them about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil we know the story I'm not going to spend much time on it Eve ate of that fruit as she was tempted by the serpent and then Eve tempted Adam and Adam ate of it as he was tempted by the woman (laughs) and they all died the Bible says they both died spiritually And I believe part of that death was a separation between them and God. They had lost the opportunity to walk in the cool of the garden with the Lord as they had before. But sin had brought a devastating effect on their life that would change it forever. I believe full and well that Adam and Eve could have eaten of the tree of life and lived forever. In fact, God said he had to put up a barrier between them and the tree of life so that after they sinned, they could not eat of it and live forever. It was God's will for them to live forever in his presence. Oh, one day he's going to have his will. His will will be accomplished, and and we will have that opportunity. But as of right now, we've got to face the facts. Adam and Eve sinned, and with sin came separation. Two things happened when Adam and Eve sinned. The first thing is they hid themselves from the presence of God. Before 
sin had a chance to separate them from God, Adam and Eve's guilt did. And I feel specifically that I need to preach on this, and this is a a theme we will revisit several times throughout this. Hallelujah, that sometimes sin will separate us, but guilt can add and create to that added distance. Sin, no doubt, will separate us from the presence of God. But we have to recognize it's not God's will for us to hide away, to run away. That's what sin makes us do. Sin makes us want to hide and not come to church. Oh, come on now. Hallelujah. Sin makes me want to hide and not get in the prayer room. Sin makes me want to hide and not look at the Bible. Sin makes me want to hide and not listen to preaching. That's why you have a hard time doing the things that God wants you to do. It's because sin puts guilt in you. And guilt will cause you to hide from the presence of the Lord. But my Bible tells me that I can come boldly unto the throne of grace. I don't need to hide away. I can come unto him when I fail and when I mess up. And he will have mercy upon me. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As a church, as an individual, as a Christian, your walk with God will not be fulfilled as long as you continually allow guilt to drive you away from the Lord. Absolutely not. Listen, we all make mistakes. I'm not here trying to excuse sin, but we all make mistakes. He's not the father that you avoid coming home because you know he's going to yell and scream and do all this stuff. He's the father that you want to go home and find comfort in his arms and find mercy when you need it and grace when you need it. He's the God who will embrace you and show you everything going to be all right if you just call on him. Hallelujah. So two things happen. Number one, they hid themselves from the presence of God. They sewed together fig leaves. They hid behind trees and bushes trying to avoid God when he came. And then the next thing that happened is sin drove them from the presence of God. We know the curse that they, the, the serpent would have to uh, crawl on its belly and eat of the dust of the earth. A woman would have to bear children in pain and the, the man would have to, from the sweat of his brow, provide for his family. Things would not grow easily as it did in the garden. Things would not grow easily as it did in the presence of God. Now he would have to toil and, and work and, and labor in order for that to happen. But the final thing is that they got kicked out of the garden where they spent their time with God. Now, it's very important for us to recognize it was the sin that separated them. Sin always separates us from God. Sin always puts distance between us and the presence of God. This is not... God leaving you. 
This is you leaving God. Praise God. It's not God saying, well, I don't want to have anything to do with you, so he leaves. When we sin, that is an act of leaving and putting distance between us and God. And we cannot comprehend him. You cannot hear him. We cannot be close to him with sin in our lives because he is holy, holy, holy. His presence is holy. His spirit is holy. His words are holy. And as a sinner and unrighteous, I am driven away from his presence when I fall into sin. Sin separated Adam and Eve from the purity and holiness of God, which resulted from them having to leave the Garden of Eden and the presence of God, which in turn separated them from their eternal purpose, which was to commune with God for all of eternity. This is what sin separates us from. First, it removes our purity, our holiness. Then it removes us from the presence of God. And then it has the potential of putting distance between us and our eternal purpose in Christ Jesus. Is this okay today? I know this is heavy stuff, but give me a minute and we'll get to the good stuff. It's no wonder that David in confession and repentance, after his discussion with Nathan, when Nathan prophesied to him, spoke to him and, and informed him that he knew about Bathsheba and, and, and him, David, killing her husband and, and all of that, Nathan told him that David fell under conviction. He wrote Psalm chapter 51 and verse 10, where he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Then he says this, in verse 11 cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me he recognized my sin will cast me from the presence of God he creates distance between me and God and he begged the Lord created me a clean heart renew a right spirit because I don't want to be far from you God I don't want there to be distance between you and I. Cast me not from thy presence. Don't hold me back from going to church. Oh, hear me today. If you've sinned and you've fallen from God and you've messed up and today you drug yourself in this place feeling distant from God, call on him and say this. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Restore me in your presence. Let me enter again into thy Holy Spirit. Oh, can we pray for just a moment? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Sin separates us from purity. Sin separates us from the presence of God. Sin separates us from our eternal 
purpose. But there is one thing that sin cannot and will not separate us from, and that is the love of God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. For Paul in the book of Romans, he presented this question in Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? And then he answers the question in verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus oh Lord let me tell you you might be distant from God but the love of God is still here with you and he's still calling you back and drawing you back into his presence. You may feel distant, separated from God, but you're not separated from his love. Oh, <coughs> love. What is between? We've 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 already established. Brother Wilfred, can you come up here for me? Brother Louise, can you come up here? Hallelujah. We've already established. Go ahead and go down there. But brother Wilfred, you go on down there, brother. Louise, you just stand there for a moment. We've already established that sin separates me from God. Yes, Wilfred, you're God today. Hallelujah. Sin separates me, drives me away. He never moved. He stayed there the whole time. But it drives me away. It pushes me away. So what fills the gap between God and me. He seems so far away, but there is something that fills the gap. Brother Louise, you're standing in for the love of God. Just stand right in the middle. Hallelujah. Brother Louise fills the gap. The love of God fills the gap. Why don't you go ahead and grab my hand, Brother Louise? And the love of God is constantly pulling us back, pulling us back into a right relationship with God. That's why the Bible talks about the prevenient grace of the Lord is drawing us, pulling us, getting us back into the presence of God. That's the love of God. That's the love that he has for you and I. The love of God is constantly pulling us back and saying it's all right. I know you failed. I know you messed up, but I'm still here. But you you don't understand. I messed up again. There's no way God is here. I can't see God. I can't feel God. 
Uh Oh, when you face that moment, because you're going to face it again because you got this. You got flesh. When you face that moment of sin and you feel distant from God and you feel like he's so far away from him, just remember the love of God. You may be distant from God, but the love of God fills the gap. The love of God will not let go of you. The love of God will not let you go. The love of God will continually draw you back. The love of God fills the gap. Who shall separate us from the love of God? The love of God is too strong. The love of God is too great. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Just stay there. I had a coworker just a, a, a couple weeks ago. I invited her to come to church. She's a backslider, Brother Victor, a backslider. When she was younger, a teenager, she lived for God. Now she's fallen away. She'll tell you she's fallen away. I invited her to come to church. She said, well, if I walk in that place, I got a feeling the whole place is going to come crumbling down. Because of how much sin I have. And I just, I thought to myself, you don't know the love of God like I know the love of God. If you think you can sin enough to separate you from the love, I'm sorry to tell you, that's just not the case. You can run as far as you want, but the love of God still stands in the gap, and the love of God will still be there. He follows you. He hunts you. He won't let you go. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Follow me, brother. Hallelujah. Even if I keep walking, he's there. I keep walking, he's there. And every now and then I hear a song and the love of God, it ministers to me again. And I see a church and I'm reminded about the love of God. And I get a good experience, the love of God. I see a Facebook post, the love of God. He won't leave me. It doesn't matter how bad of a sin you are. It doesn't matter how far away from God you are. The love of God will never leave you. That's why repentance and coming back to God is so easy. Our guilt tries to hide us from the love of God. Our guilt is one of the biggest things that hinders us from the love of God. But let me tell you, God's love is greater than any sin. What does the Bible say? It says, where sin abides, great death much more abide. That means it doesn't matter how far away you are, the love of God can fill the whole space. <laughs> the love of God fills the whole space. He can bring you back. He can bring you back. He'll bring you back to God. All you got to do is just let the love of God pull you back. All you got to do is just turn around. All you got to do is just call out to him. All you got to do is let the love of God touch you again. How about we stand to our feet right now and begin to rejoice. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh,
I'm not here to argue that sin does not put distance between God and me. But I am here to say that the love of God fills the distance. And if all that's between God and I is his love, that's enough. That's enough. It's enough to pull you out of your sin. It's enough to pull you out of your guilt. It's enough to pull your family out of your situation. I'm not saying everything's going to be all right. You're not going to have to face the repercussion of your actions. But I'm saying the love of God will bring you back to the Lord and he'll be with you through it all. His love is enough. Somebody say his love is enough. His love is enough. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Go ahead and throw up Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God commendeth his love or shows his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, the love of God stood in the gap. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ is the love of God incarnate. Jesus Christ is the visible image of the love of God. While we were yet sinners, meaning while we were far away from him, the love of God was still there. And the love of God caused God to become flesh, robe himself in flesh, dwelt among us, and die on the cross. Jesus represents the love of God, but Jesus is also the result of the love of God. You see, because no matter how much they tried in the Old Testament to find their way back to God after the Garden of Eden, They could not. For by one man, sin entered into the world. And by that one man, all were made sinners. We were all separated. We were all put, had distance between us because of the sin of Adam and Eve. Oh, but I'm so thankful that because of one man, I have been reconciled back to God. And because of one man, all have been made righteous. And because of one man, he took 
sinners who were distant and far from him, and he brought them back into the power. It's only because of the love of God. It's only because of Jesus that we can sit in his presence, that we can feel his It's only because of Jesus that we can forgive our, have forgiveness of sins and cleanse ourselves. It's only because of who fills the gap. It's Jesus. Jesus is between you and God. He is the mediator between God and man. It's Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I know I just preached about Jesus last week. I'm going to preach about him again. Today, next week, the week after that, however long I need to, because he's what this is all about. It's Jesus. Hallelujah. We got to get back to Jesus. Romans 5 and verse 9. Being, or much more than, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. One translation says we will be saved from condemnation. My Bible tells me in Romans 8 and 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There is therefore now no condemnation. When we are separated from God, it feels as though we have been cut off from God. It feels as though we've sealed our fate and there's no hope to going back to God. But the Bible tells me that there's still the love of God drawing us back. And today, if you've repented of your sins and you've given yourself to God and, and you called upon him, let me assure you today, there's no more condemnation for you. God does not punish you for your sins. God does not punish you for the things you've done in the past. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from those things as if ye had never sinned. That's what justified means, right? Just as if I'd never sinned. I've been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, hallelujah. That's as if I've never sinned. And there is no more wrath. There is no more condemnation. I don't need to fear God. I can come to God. I can visit God. I can re receive of the love of God. Because there's no more condemnation. There should be no more guilt. Can I say that again? There should be no more guilt. The Bible tells us that when we repent, God puts it, our sins behind his back. He's not dwelling on it. And I don't think we should either. Hallelujah. And when I say that, I'm not talking about sharing our testimony like Brother Victor did on Wednesday night. We should always remember where God brought us from. Amen. 
but I'm saying not letting the weight of that sin continue any longer. Lay aside the weight of that sin. You've been forgiven. God has forgiven you. God has closed the gap. You're set free. You're delivered. You're saved from condemnation and wrath. Now walk in it. Walk in that victory. Walk in that love. Walk in that hope. Freedom. Romans 5 and 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That means, listen, it was God that cleared the gap and not we ourselves. It was God. And if God reconciled us or brought us, that word reconcile means to be brought into a right relationship with God. If God reconciled us, brought us back, then we shall be saved. Everybody say that with me. We shall be saved. I shall be saved. I don't need to walk around worried and afraid. Am I saved? Am I not saved? No, if I'm called on the name of Jesus and he's reconciled me back to God, I shall be saved. Absolutely. I shall be saved. If we could stand again. Now, let us read Colossians 1.19. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ. And through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and in earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you. This includes me. For we were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You have access to the presence of God. You have access to communion with the Lord. You have access to walk into his spirit. And oh, hallelujah. Praise God, you've been in introduced back into the garden. You've been introduced back to the cool of the day. Oh, why would we not want to be with the Lord? He's reconciled. He's brought us back into his presence. That's why he's here today. That's why you feel him. It's because he's brought us back. As a result, he brought you into his own presence and ye are holy and blameless, everybody say blameless, as you stand before him 
without a single fault. Not one. Not one sin is left remains. Not one sin remains. Not one lie. Not one action. Not one thought. We stand before him without a single fault because of the death of Jesus Christ. Today, I just want to invite you to come and to call upon the name of Jesus. I want to invite two different people, people who have sinned, and you feel like there's gap between you and him. And I also want to invite people who have sinned, but God has taken away the gap. I want you to come down and I want you to call upon the name of Jesus. Can we consider the love of God? That when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I was distant from him. But his love never failed. His love never gave up. That's right, Adam. That's right, Eve. Spend time in his presence. You've got an opportunity today, created by Christ Jesus, to be with him. Can we spend a few minutes right now in his presence? you messed up. I know you failed. I know you've done things you're not proud of. I know you feel condemned. I know you feel separated. But he loves you anyway. He chooses you. 